Freedom, man. That's what it's all about. You've got to groove on freedom, like the good book says. listening to what on earth is happening this show will discuss the topics of human consciousness mind control natural law the occult and all issues that affect the freedom of the people of earth what on earth is happening will endeavor to shine light upon the darkness of our world and to offer empowering solutions to the problems we face as humanity approaches its critical moment of choice. And now, here is your host, Mark Passio. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to What on Earth is Happening. This show is broadcast live every Tuesday evening from 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time through my website, whatonearthishappening.com. You can also listen in live at revolutionbroadcasting.com. So last week there were a few technical glitches, and uh, I, uh, I got the podcast up the day after the show, but it looks like as far as the live feed goes, those uh, technical issues are resolved. It looks like there's a new problem here tonight, technically. Um, The Revolution Broadcasting feed may not be going out live this evening. I have not been able to uh, contact them via Skype, so I'm not quite sure what is going on on the network end, but uh, uh, I will uh, try to resolve that uh, as the show progresses. Hopefully they realize that. Um, and get in touch with me. But um, that aside, um, I want to give the new call-in number out and let people know how they can call into the show if they have anything to talk about. New call-in number is 724-444-7444. So once again, that's 724 724- Four 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 seven four four four. All right. Uh, also, you have to give the call ID when you call in, and the call ID for the show on Talkshoe is eight three five one five. Talkshoe is the new uh, streaming provider and MP three um, podcast archiver service. So. When you call that call-in number, enter the call ID of 83515, 83515, and uh, that will actually put you through to the switchboard on TalkShoe and allow me to see that there is a caller uh, that has called in. So um, that's the call-in number and call ID. 
And if you're going to call, please be patient. Hold on the line. I will get to you. I will see you in the in the um, uh, the queue there for the, uh, uh, the 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 live callers. So please be patient. Hold on the line, and I will get to you. So usually I start off the show with some announcements for events that are going on in the Philadelphia area that are related in some way to to freedom, to sovereignty, to um, issues that basically affect the freedoms of people in this area and throughout the world, and I try to bring attention to groups that are really doing their work to call to people's attention important issues uh, regarding these topics, particularly in the area where I'm from, which is Philadelphia. So uh, with that having in mind, I'm going to read um, two upcoming events in the Philadelphia area. The first is hosted by the great group in this region called Truth, Freedom, Prosperity. This is a great group of people, very active, very politically active in the Philadelphia area. And uh, their website is truthfreedomprosperity.org. Go up there and check it out. Um, they work through meetup.com. So that will redirect you to a meetup.com group. Uh, if you're in the Philadelphia area, join up and get involved with this group because they're doing some great things. And they're hosting a free documentary showing and discussion. This is going to be on Monday, June 21st at 7 o'clock p.m. That's Monday, June 21st at 7 p.m. at the Ethical Society Building. That's at 1906 South Rittenhouse Square in Philadelphia. And this month they are showing Generation RX. Generation RX is a great documentary. I think everyone should see it. I think particularly parents should see this film to understand the dangers of the pharmaceutical industry and how we are basically drugging our children unnecessarily. So Generation RX, a great documentary made by some very aware folks, and um, that's totally free, and there will be discussion, a discussion following that documentary showing at the Ethical Society. That's Monday, June 21st, 7 o'clock p.m. Check out truthfreedomprosperity.org. And then there's a big conference coming up on the works and technologies of Nikola Tesla. It's called the Nikola Tesla Energy Independence Celebrations in Philadelphia. This is July 9th, 10th, and 11th, a three-day event. The, the Tesla Science Foundation brings together scientists, inventors, and enthusiasts for a three-day conference highlighting the need for a new energy paradigm. This July in Philadelphia, the Tesla Science Foundation will be hosting a three-day conference and celebration to commemorate Nikola Tesla's legacy and world vision. Tesla was a brilliant inventor who lived during the turn of the 20th century. His innovations resulted in the implementation of alternating current radio, the AC motor, wireless technology, 
and many other influential inventions that we now take for granted in the modern age. Tesla's vision to bring clean, free energy to the world through advanced wireless technologies was blocked by the financial and corporate interests of his time. Through this event, the Tesla Science Foundation will bring together like-minded scientists, inventors, and enthusiasts who share the common goal of bringing Tesla's advanced energy technologies to fruition for the betterment of humanity. Here's the schedule of events. July 9th, 8 p.m. to 2 a.m., the Tesla Birthday Bash, a celebration of Tesla's birthday. He was born on midnight between July 9th and 10th, 1856. This is going to take place at the Independence Visitor Center on 6th and Market Streets in Philadelphia, and it is free to attend. The next day, July 10th, 10 a.m. to 8 p.m., an all-day event called the Tesla Fest. It is also free to attend at the Independence Visitor Center, 6th and Market Streets. It will feature exhibits, vendors, information, art, and music. On the same day at the Free Library of Philadelphia from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. for people who are a little bit more interested and want some deeper information on Tesla and his technologies, uh, there's going to be an event at the Free Library of Philadelphia at 1901 Vine Street. Presentations and lectures. This is from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. on July 10th, and it is also free to attend. I myself have the pleasure of emceeing this event. I'll be introducing all the speakers. The featured speakers are Russell Anderson, Michael Kelly, Tatiana Militech, Michael Treat, Mono Davina, Michael Craner, and Brian Yetzer. That evening, July 10th, 6 p.m. to 11 p.m., there will be a reception, dinner, and concert at the Arch Street Meeting House, 320 Arch Street, featuring the Divine Hand Ensemble, a classical ensemble featuring the theremin instrument. Check out their website at divinehand.net. The pricing for this event for both the dinner and concert both dinner and concert, only $20. For just the dinner, $12, and for just the concert, $12. Incredibly reasonable. Uh, finally, the last event on the schedule is a two-day event, and this is the, the bulk of the actual event. It is the scientific portion of the conference. This is geared toward scientists and inventors. This will be July 10th and 11th, Saturday and Sunday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. at 2 Liberty Place on the 32nd floor, 1601 Chestnut Street. And it will feature at least 10 scientific presentations. You can register for that at the Tesla Science Foundation website for only $110. And for emerging details, see the conference website at teslasciencefoundation.org. Also, you can join the Nikola Tesla Meetup group at ntesla.meetup.com slash the number 38. That's ntesla, N-T-E-S-L-A, dot meetup.com slash 38, the number 38. So those are the event announcements that I have this evening, and 
I see we're still, doesn't look like we're broadcasting over the Revolution broadcasting feed. If anybody from the network is listening in live uh, on my feed on my site, uh, I am unable to reach you through uh, Skype, through the regular Skype um, contact. So um, if, uh, if you are aware of that, I guess uh, go online with Skype and I will add you into the conference call. So this goes out live on Revolution Broadcasting. So um, let's get into a brief review of where we were at last week and what, we, uh, what material we got through. And then tonight's topic is going to be a wrap-up of the, the uh, subsection that I have been basically um, going through the, the points of uh, over the last few broadcasts, and that is the barriers to the realization of the true self, the barriers to self-realization, uh, self being uh, depicted with a capital S, meaning the, the real self, the higher self, the true self. Um, what blocks people from self-realization? What blocks them from understanding in what they really are and keeps them in a low state of consciousness. And hence, we are an, unable to remove ourselves from self-inflicted suffering and create an experience that is more suited to what we desire. So that's what we've been doing here over the last few weeks and this is all, again, a subsection in what we really do here is try to identify and get to the root causes of what is actually taking place in our experience, the root causal factors for human suffering. That's what we do on this show ultimately because without understanding those root causal factors. We are wandering blindly and we are hacking at the leaves on the tree of evil instead of actually going down and uprooting it from the roots so that it cannot grow and fester and come back and continuously plague our existence. So Yes, we can describe all the symptoms, we can describe all the control taking place, and we will talk about mind control on future shows. We will talk about occult organizations that do their work in darkness behind the scenes. We will, we will get into all of that, but I wanted to start the first few shows before I even get to having guests on more extensively and getting into some of the deeper uh, um, manifested problems that are taking place to help people to understand the root causal factors. Because until we do that, until we develop the ability to tell truth from falsehood and recognize that what is ultimately creating our self-inflicted suffering is just that, our inability to tell truth from falsehood, again, we are, we are going to remain powerless to basically solve the problem that we are experiencing. So with that in mind, 
uh, on this show in previous weeks, we, we discussed just that, these causal factors that lead to our being fooled, in other words, the, the, the root cause for why we suffer, inability to tell truth from falsehood. And this is um, the this is what lies beneath the manifested reality, the screen that we look upon when we look on the outside world. Okay, um, to just say we don't like that, and that and that we just simply just want that to change is the equivalent of banging on the television because you don't like what you're seeing on it, or banging on a, a, a screen at a movie theater because you don't, you're not enjoying what you're seeing. When instead, in order to actually change the manifested reality that's appearing on the screen, you would have to change where that is being projected or broadcast from, and that is the self. We are the co-creators of our reality collectively, and until we change ourselves, the outside reality is not just going to magically and suddenly change on its own. It's a, it's a hard work to do. It's a labor of love. And if you understand the dynamic that's really taking place, you recognize it is the only way to go about doing that. It, and that happens through the recognition of natural law, the discovery of natural law principles. That only occurs when we understand what we are, who we really are. We understand how we express ourselves in consciousness through our thoughts, our emotions, and our actions. And we talk about these three expressions of consciousness. This is how we can make ourselves known to ourselves and others, the threefold aspect of human consciousness and that our goal is to unify them as one, to bring these into harmony with each other, such that we are a being that as we think, so we feel, and so we act, with no internal contradiction or opposition between these three aspects of consciousness. Now, intricately tied to that, we looked at the structure of the human brain. Because if we're going to understand how consciousness makes itself manifest, we have to understand one of the vehicles for that expression in the physical reality in which we live. So we looked at the components of the human brain, and we talked about that we need to try to come to balance between particularly two of the parts of the human brain, namely the left brain hemisphere and the right brain hemisphere. These are the two components of the higher brain known as the neocortex. So that's called the human brain. It's divided into two hemispherical parts, two halves. So we talked about how, what manifests when these two halves become severely imbalanced. And this is what ultimately leads to all the external problems that we experience as suffering in the physical reality that we live in. Through the imbalancing of the brain hemispheres, whether it be to the left brain hemisphere 
or to the right brain hemisphere. So we talked about the importance of balance, balancing those hemispheres to basically awaken what it has been called the third eye, the pineal gland in the center of the human brain that gains access, grants us access to spiritual insight and true wisdom, combining the intellect side of the brain, the left brain, with the intuitive and nurturing and sacred feminine side of the brain, which is the right brain hemisphere. We also discussed the concepts of the polarities, the, the forces, the universal forces that are essentially working in the world at all times and every decision that we make is essentially a choice between one of these two seeming emotional polarities, love and fear. And I say seeming polarities because they're not truly opposites because one is real and one is an illusion. Uh, one is simply the absence of the other. Namely, fear is the illusory part, which is simply the absence of love, which is the unique and divine expression of basically all that is. So these two forces are what we ultimately get to choose between using our free will. And we talked about different worldviews that are based upon either love or fear. We talked about the expressions of these forms of energy. We talked about that if one of them, uh, they each have an internal manifestation and each an external manifestation. When love is present within, we, we call that the person is self-actualized or they um, understand that they are sovereign. They are the rulers of the self. I call this dominion in my work um, because it is coming to understand that you only get to really control the kingdom of self, which is your thoughts, your emotions, and your actions. That's what you are in control of, and essentially, you're not really in control of anything else. Uh, when this state is present, you could call it self-love, or self-actualization, or true balance within the self, non-duality. You could give it many different names, but it is sovereignty, it is dominion, it is self-ownership, self-rulership in such a way that your thoughts, emotions, and actions are brought into unity consciousness and you're not in a state of internal opposition. So uh, if the love energy is expressed outwardly, we call that condition true freedom. Now the fear energy, if that goes to work within a person, we call that the state of internal opposition or confusion. And when that fear is projected out into the world, you get the exact opposite of what happens when the love energy is projected outward into the external manifestation. And that results in control and ultimately in slavery of the individual beings and eventually of the wider, um, the wider a network of individuals who are all contributing to that dynamic. And that's why we're really seeing what we're seeing in the world in the modern day, because fear has a tight grip on this world. Uh, people are living in illusory mindsets. People are living in poisonous worldviews, which is another topic we talked about on this show. Um, we talked about an extreme left brain imbalanced worldview held by 
people who subscribe to the ideology known as solipsism and who describe to atheism. These two ideologies go hand in hand. And that is that worldview is known as randomness, the idea that everything is a cosmic accident and there is no purpose to existence, that the universe is a dead, mechanized, lifeless machine. Um, the opposite extreme imbalance of worldview was the complete deterministic worldview that, uh, you know, essentially free will doesn't exist and everything is determined, predetermined, and nothing can be, can be changed from a set course that is set by God. And both of these worldviews are extremely imbalanced. The, the middle ground and the truth actually is that there's a combination of these worldviews at play in the world, and there is, there is a random, uh, I'm sorry, there is a deterministic component known as natural law, and there is a, uh, a random component known as free will. And these two, we are constantly trying to bring into unity if we're intelligent, if we're holistically intelligent and smart enough to understand what the causal factors are that lead to human suffering. And essentially what it boils down to is we lack the ability to tell that truth, to actually recognize it, that there is such a thing as natural law, that there are consequences for our behaviors. And if we constantly try to break that higher moral law and essentially do whatever we want, um, we basically are contributing to that dynamic of chaos. So we talked about ordering chaos previously on the show, and we'll create these two conditions. And order is brought about not through control, as many people insist upon thinking that it is. It can never be created that way. It is brought about through coming to the recognition, the discovery and understanding of natural law principles, and then choosing through free will to live in harmony with those principles of truth. And only that can ever create chaos. You're never going to create chaos by trying to control externally the free will decisions of any other living being. Through doing that, you are living through fear, and thus you can only create more opposition, more internal confusion, and ultimately more chaos in the external reality. So the people who think that that is the way that they're going to create order are severely delusional and it, I, I described this condition as the equivalent of saying I want to cool off this room temperature water and make it nice and cold so therefore I'm going to put it in a tea kettle and put the kettle on top of the stove and crank the sto stove up to its highest setting and I'll get cold water that way just watch it'll never happen that way no matter how much you think it will, no matter how much you believe that, it's not going to occur because that's not how natural law works. And there really is no easier way to put it. That has to be recognized through a free will decision to essentially learn how natural law works and admit that one was previously wrong in the positions that one held regarding how you previously thought it worked. So to all the controllers out there, to all the people of the mindset that you're going to create order, 
you controlling anything, good luck, because you'll never do it that way. You'll only put yourself into a deeper prison. And believe me, that's where this world is headed because so many people think that way. But what I do here is try to dissuade people from that course and explain to them how these natural laws actually work because I am one of the people who has been fortunate enough in life to recognize those principles. I didn't invent them. They're not mine. They have nothing to do with me whatsoever. Look at me as simply a messenger that is trying to explain how a dynamic of nature works and nothing more. So that's what I do here on this show. And um, that brought us to the concept of what is really blocking people from awakening to, to this understanding. And so few people are awake to that level. Even people in the freedom movement and in the different patriot movements are completely asleep when it comes to what natural law actually is, how it works, and why we're creating what we're creating on planet Earth. That most people in the freedom movement do not understand this. And I'm sorry to have to say it so bluntly, but that's the case. Um, it is an extreme, an extreme minority that grasps these principles in any fullness at all. Uh, and it is largely because most people have not read enough information. They have not listened to enough information. They have not watched enough information. They have not taken enough information into themselves to come to this discovery. And again, this is just like discovering any other physical natural law. It's no different than the discovery of gravity or electromagnetism or the way subatomic particles work. No different than that except these are laws that basically govern human behavior and the experience that we create as a result of, of the decisions that we make on how, to, on how to act and behave. So with that in mind, over the last few weeks, I had been going into what are the blocks to understanding these principles? What are the blocks to understanding how consciousness works? Why don't people really understand these things? Just by default, like what is so difficult about getting to that level of understanding such that you start to choose to align your um, free will decisions with natural law principles? Why aren't more people doing this? Because if it's really one of the only ways to create freedom and order in the world, why are so few people doing it? They say they want to be free. They say they don't want to suffer. You ask anyone on the street, do you want to be free? Yes, of course. Do you want to suffer? No. Why would I want to suffer? Anybody that would respond to those questions with, oh, I want to be a slave and I want to suffer endlessly is completely insane and out of their mind. No one responds like that, no matter how rich, poor, um, smart, ignorant, no matter what color they are, no matter what religion they are, no matter what sex they are, it doesn't make a difference, no matter what age they are. People say they will claim that they want freedom. They will claim that they want not to suffer. But 
when it comes to the understanding of what can actually create those conditions, they're the first people. The first people will say that they want that are the first people that will run in the other direction from it. Because that involves actually understanding the principles, the first principles or causal factors that lead to those conditions that either lead to suffering or the lack thereof, that either lead to freedom or the lack thereof, which is enslavement. Okay, so it, it's a work. It requires work to get people out of the former ways of thinking, the old ways that they are clinging to and that they are attached to. So what I called these basic fundamental blocks, the barriers to self-realization, what I describe them as is four basic things, four basic conditions that people are trapped in. They're trapped in what's called the five sense illusion. That was the first barrier to the realization of the true self that we uh, explored on the show. That is essentially the pure identification with materialism and the material realm. The idea that matter is all there is, that, that we are a mechanized machine, essentially when you get right down to it. It's a very left-brain way of seeing the world. It's a very uh, imbalanced worldview, not only from an imbalanced brain point of view, but from an imbalanced way of seeing oneself and others around them because it sees everything in terms of separation and separateness and uh, isolation. So... This five-sense worldview is purely identified with the physical domain, the physical world. There is no looking at spirit. There is no looking at morality. There is no looking at the higher nature of self or consciousness. It's wrapped up and identified in the world of matter. One cannot see past that into what creates the, the actual reality that we are experiencing and what dictates the quality of that experience. So that was the first barrier to the realization of true self that we discussed. The second was very related with the five sense illusion, and this is ego identification. And we call this identification with the lower S self. Ego, identification, and attachment. This is believing that one is the roles that one plays in the physical realm in which we exist and operate. So I am not consciousness having an experience of being a mother. I am a mother. I am a banker, I am a politician, I am a sports figure, okay? It, it is, those aren't the identity. That's an experience. You're having the experience of being a father. You're having the experience of being a baseball player, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. 
Okay, that's not who we are, but that is our experience in the world. So, that was the second barrier to self-realization. And being attached to that condition, that identification with the role as opposed to the higher self. Ego identification, getting trapped in seeing oneself as the role that one plays in the physical world, the lowercase s self. Okay? Uh, last week, we discussed the third barrier to self-realization, which was the prison of the left brain. And again, it's very tied in with the other two notions, and all of these are very interrelated. The prison of the left brain is totally related to how we were brought up in, in the world, particularly in the Western Hemisphere, because of how our educational or I should say indoctrination system, is structured. The school system is completely geared toward teaching people only that which is completely tied in with the physical reality and with the roles that we will be playing in the physical world. It's a very left-brained, identified way of seeing oneself and the world because it it focuses purely on just the things that are left brain only functions like reading, writing, verbal skills, language, mathematics, science. Okay? All of these things are all left brain, logical, analytical, linear progression functions. Left out of this system of learning because it's not holistic, it's all geared toward the left brain, is true morals, ethics, um, understanding rights from wrongs. Okay? That's completely left out. The, whole, the sacred feminine is left out of this equation. Intuition, very unless you go to a specialized school, very creative capabilities. Art and music and creativity are very downplayed in the Western school model because that's for a very particular reason. They want people trapped in the present of the left brain because the left brain responds to and becomes identified with hierarchy and things always being done the same way with ritual, with repetition, with yesterday was the same as today, and today is the same as the next day, tomorrow will be the same as today, and so on, and so on, and so on, and so forth. This is the idea that things have always been this way, they are this way now, and they're always going to be this way. And it's a very linear progression, it's a very linear way of thinking in linear time, and this is, again, done by design. It's done by design because it's done to stifle the human imagination, the imaginative capacity of the right brain hemisphere. And that's, that's the hemisphere that if we get in touch with, we can imagine a way of doing things different. We can imagine a world that isn't run the way this one is, and things don't play out the way they play out in, in the world that we're living in now, as it is currently being, being uh, as we are currently living amongst each other. So if, if we 
get in touch with that imaginative capacity. That's the first step toward actually creating something different because that's the creative side of the brain. And the first step in any creative process is imagining what you're going to do. But if you shut that down by essentially cutting it off from the rest of the, rest of the brain functions and you're getting somebody engaged purely in just the left brain analytical and logical and uh, um, uh, linear thought functions, then you're cutting off that person from their creative potential, from their imaginative potential that gets them to say, it doesn't have to be like this. I can imagine it being different. I can imagine doing something to create something uh, to make it different, to make the, the experiences that we go through play out differently than they currently are playing out. And that's why the education system does not want to change and help people to become holistic brain thinkers. They want people to be purely trapped in the left brain. And um, we discussed that. We discussed how that model of seeing the world, that leads to a poisoned worldview. This education system and uh, science, um, the, the way we see, uh, the, the way our Western culture views health and medicine is also very extremely left brain looking at the body as purely a computer, as a mechanized machine, okay? Um, and then this, this um, educational model and way of viewing the world, this basic worldview that this uh, left brain prisonhood leads to is based in control of other people and accepting control from the hierarchical chain of command that you would go into. So we talked a little bit about the control mechanisms that go in place because people are indoctrinated into this completely imbalanced left brain worldview. So that's what we did last week on the show. We went through that third um, barrier to the realization of the true self, which is the prison of the left brain. And we kind of left off uh, explaining how people become controllers trapped in a hierarchy that keeps this system perpetuating and how fooled they really are, how completely fooled they are. And not just fooled, but it goes even deeper than being fooled. They're owned. They're owned. They have owners, and they don't even know it. They have people that are manipulating them into doing this, and what they're manipulating them into doing is essentially breaking natural law because they have no understanding of it because they're so ignorant and unread. And their owners are completely laughing at them the whole way because they know they will ultimately have to experience the repercussions of breaking natural law principles and uh, taking other people's rights and doing actions that they do not have the right to take. And that, that will all come back toward them at some point or another, whether in this life or another life, or uh, it will be righted. It will be balanced, no matter what they think. They, they don't understand how this natural law uh, aspect of karmic reality, of karmic debt works. They think that they are going to be held unaccountable for everything that they do, and they're wrong. They're dead wrong. It doesn't work that way. 
I'm 100% certain that it doesn't work that way. That's not an, an, I'm not stating my opinion on how it works. The universe is going to balance all situations. Even if we can't see how that will occur, it will occur. As a matter of fact, it's doing that right now. It's always in effect. It's never not in effect. And it will do it by hook or by crook. There is no breaking higher natural law principles that are based in moral law. You can think you're getting away with breaking them, but ultimately those wrongs do become righted and those imbalances do become balanced. It's just a matter of how much suffering you're going to have to go through to actually understand that, accept it, and live in harmony with it. And I, in my opinion, from the dynamic that I study this from and looking at it as realistically as I am capable of looking at it, I don't see this being a process that is going to just happen organically. I see this as being a struggle and the human race being dragged kicking and screaming through the mud. I don't see pleasant times ahead for humanity. And I'm not saying that to discourage anyone. I'm just being honest about what I think the dynamic really is because most people are so trapped in these barriers to self-realization that they have no idea of what the true self is. They have absolutely no clue whatsoever. They're totally trapped in illusion and in illusory ways of thinking and perceiving reality. And they have been totally hung up on the idea that their current level of perception is reality. And that's the, that's the ideology we've, we've talked about on the show known as solipsism. Solipsism is the ideology that I call the biggest lie, that perception is reality and that there is no such thing as objective truth. And this is what the demon mind wants you to think. This is what the soul of opposition the very force of opposition itself, of fear, of control, of being torn apart, okay? The, the opposer, the one that tears us apart from the inside, from inside ourselves, divides us. The force of division and internal opposition. That force itself wants people to believe that there is no such thing as truth that there is no such thing as objective truth. It wants you wholeheartedly to believe and, and be attached to the belief that perception is reality. And that's the biggest lie there is, and it's the most dangerous ideology on the surface or, or on anywhere on the earth, period. It's the most dangerous ideology on this planet. It's called solipsism. Look it up, S-O-L-I-P. S-I-S-M, solipsism. We've talked about it fairly extensively on this show, and um, it needs to be thoroughly renounced and rejected because there is such a thing as truth. It is up to us to discover it and live in harmony with its principles, period. And it's there if we have the will to go forward and discover it, no matter what it is. 
whether the, the truth of the reality that we're living in is uncomfortable, whether we come to a very dark place, whether you know this law, this natural law is in effect and it works a certain way, it doesn't make a difference what the truth is. We need to recognize it, accept it, and then live in accordance with its principles. And if we don't like the way something is playing out, we need to get in touch with the truth in order to understand what we need to do to change it for the better in keeping with our stated intentions for ourselves. So we say we want to be happy. We say we don't want to suffer. We say we want to be free. Well, there are requirements that go along with that. That isn't the default condition of the universe. That isn't the default condition of humanity. There are requirements that go along with that. You know, I mean, hey, we, we could make that occur. But from where we are now, there are requirements attached to making that condition occur. We can be truly free. We can not suffer. It's possible not to to create non uh, a condition where there is no self-inflicted suffering. Okay. Now, some will say as long as you're in a physical body, there's going to be suffering. Okay. If you're attached to having to be that way, yeah. You can also see it as desires come and go. Attachment to desire is what's going to create suffering. Yeah, you'll be hungry again. Yeah, you'll need to sleep again. But you don't need to be attached to those desires. That's living totally in your head, in ego. Ego attachment, as we talked about in a couple of shows ago when we discussed ego identification and attachment. It's being attached to those desires where the problem comes in. Not that any desire exists. I would never suggest all desire could ever be purged from the human condition, nor that it should. But attachment to desire, now there's, there's a problem. So we can make a, a stated intention and say, I want to be happy. Well, don't create any self-inflicted suffering and get attached to desire, and there can be true happiness. We want to be free. Well, don't create chaos by creating control mechanisms and hierarchies and imbalances and injustices, and you'll be free. But people insist they know better. People insist that they can live outside of the boundaries of natural law. And ultimately what this is really all about is people insist that they can play God, that they can be God. I can determine how it works. I can determine how natural law works. I can say, I'm the arbiter of truth. My perceptions are reality. There is no such thing as objective truth. And that's what's going to ultimately create a hell world here. And we're well along the way, as I've said before, to doing that. Well along the way. Good job. Everyone's really, so far up to this time on this planet, is doing a great job at that. Because 99% of us are completely fooled. We don't have the ability to tell truth from falsehood. We've bought lies that have been sold to us from the cradle, and we stay attached to them. And we insist that there's no such thing as natural law, and we don't bring our free will into harmony with it. That's really what's going on here. That's really what is creating the human condition as we see it today. And we say we don't like it, and yet so few of us are willing to learn the totality of how this works, and so few of us are willing to actually 
change to come in accordance with those principles, and so few of us are then willing to explain how this works to others. And because of that extreme imbalance and so few people recognizing this and so few people understanding it, living in harmony with it, and then explaining how it works to other people, that's why we're coming to the brink of total chaos and total suffering and total domination of our species. We're heading headlong into a prison of which once we work ourselves into it in fullness, it will be very, very, very difficult for anyone coming after us to ever get out of that prison. It, it is the gates of hell literally closing in on this planet, no less than that. And you can say, hey, that's a real religious notion. Go right ahead and say that. But hell is eternal separation from any right way of being in the world. And that's where we're headed, man. I mean, that's where we're headed. In all seriousness, we are headed toward a state where it will be almost impossible to live in any way connected with right action. Because other people are so hung up on control and so hung up on that you just have to do this, this, or this because other people say that's the way it has to be. It's the blind leading the blind leading the blind. And that brings us to the fourth barrier to self-realization. The belief and attachment to institutionalized belief systems. The accepting of belief systems and notice, I don't use the word philosophies. These are belief systems. They're not knowings. They're not anything that anybody knows is the way things are. They are beliefs that are shared amongst the people that carry these, these ways of acting and ways of being in the world out. Okay, And they all believe in it unquestioningly. And therefore... It has become institutionalized, meaning that it is so ingrained in society, it is so ingrained in the thought patterns and in the actions of people that they don't even question why this institution exists in the first place. That is what inst institutionalized thought and institutionalized belief is all about. There is no imagination to ever be able to even have the capacity to see that the world could exist and prosper even to even greater levels without these institutions. Their members think that this is an eternal principle of the universe, that this always has been like this it is this way now, and it always must be like this. It must be like this. That's what an institutionalized belief system imprints into the minds of its mind-controlled followers. And let's make no mistake and mince no words about this. The people that follow institutionalized belief systems 
all. Not some, all. And again, there's a generality. There's a generality. There's somebody making a blanket statement. Yes, yes, I'm making a blanket statement. Okay? People are uncomfortable with that. Good. Be real uncomfortable with it. You're uncomfortable with it for a reason if you're uncomfortable with a blanket statement. You know, some blanket statements are true. There are some places you can use the word all and mean every single person that thinks that way. And be correct when you're saying they think this or that this is really their condition in consciousness. There, there is nothing that says that you cannot use the word all and have it be true. Okay? Because what I'm saying is all people, not some, everyone that believes in and unquestioningly accepts that institutionalized beliefs, belief systems that they are members of must always exist, those people all are under mind control, without exception. Every one of them. Okay? So, what does this include? This includes... The biggest group of people that this includes... What is the biggest institutionalized belief system on the entire planet Earth? But if we think of institutionalized beliefs, unquestioned beliefs that people absolutely believe are 100% true, and they don't question that whole system, I would say there is one overarching fundamental belief that is the most widely shared institutionalized belief system that we have on the planet Earth. And that is that money exists. That money exists. Let me say that one more time. The, the widest held and the most deeply shared and believed in institutionalized belief system on planet Earth is that there is such a thing as money in actual point of fact reality, in actual nature, that money is real, that it actually means something and carries actual value. There is no such thing as money, folks. Doesn't exist, never has existed, and never will exist. Money does not exist in the universe. It doesn't exist in nature. It's a construct the human beings invented, and it exists only in one place, their own mind, and will never exist anywhere else in actual reality. And that's the biggest institutionalized belief system that there is, and every person that believes in that institutionalized belief is under mind control. Everyone. Bar none, with no exceptions. So, let's start from there and move outward because I just hit you with the hardest thing that there is to accept. So we'll get back into this coming up at the top of the second hour. Okay. So 
we'll get back into institutionalized belief systems and we'll go through more of them in the second hour. For now, I'm Mark Passio. You've been listening to What on Earth is Happening? And I will see you in a couple of minutes after the, uh, after the intro music for the second hour. Be back. Freedom, man. That's what it's all about. You've got to groove on freedom, like the good book says. listening to what on earth is happening this show will discuss the topics of human consciousness mind control natural law the occult and all issues that affect the freedom of the people of earth what on earth is happening will endeavor to shine light upon the darkness of our world and to offer empowering solutions to the problems we face as humanity approaches its critical moment of choice. And now, here is your host, Mark Passio. Welcome, everyone. Welcome back to hour number two of What on Earth is Happening on this Tuesday, June 1st, 2010. To liberate your soul and mind, that is what this show is all about. So, my website is whatonearthishappening.com. The network's website is revolutionbroadcasting.com. The call-in number for this show, anybody that wants to call in, 724-444-7444. The call ID number for this show is 83515. You'll have to punch that in when you call that call-in number. Once again, the call-in number is 724 444 the call ID 83515. So um, in the last hour, we were talking about institutionalized belief systems. And we talked about one of the biggest institutionalized beliefs being money itself. And I would suggest that has the deepest grip of any other institutionalized belief system on the consciousness of the people of this planet. We will get back into the discussion of institutionalized belief systems in a couple moments. I'm going to briefly read a couple of announcements for the Philadelphia area. Uh, that's where I'm from. I try to do activist work in this area, and I get involved with a group called Truth, Freedom, Prosperity, and we host free documentary showings and discussions uh, at the Ethical Society building in Philadelphia, that's at 1906 South Rittenhouse Square. 
Uh, we host these every third Monday of the month. So in June, uh, there's one coming up uh, on Monday night, June 21st at 7 o'clock p.m. Truth, Freedom, Prosperity will be presenting the, uh, will be screening the documentary Generation RX. And it's excellent. Anybody in this area should come out and check it out and get involved with this great group. Their website is truthfreedomprosperity.org. Monday, June 21st, 7 p.m. at the Ethical Society Building, 1906 South Rittenhouse Square. Free documentary showing and discussion of Generation RX. Check out their website, truthfreedomprosperity.org. Another group I'm very active with is the Tesla Science Foundation and the associated Nikola Tesla Inventors Club. Uh, this group is going to be hosting a big three-day conference in Philadelphia this summer. It's called the Nikola Tesla Energy Independence Celebrations 2010, July 9th, 10th, and 11th. That's Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Tesla Science Foundation will be bringing together scientists, inventors, and enthusiasts for a three-day conference highlighting the need for a new energy paradigm. Look up Nikola Tesla and understand what this man tried to do and why I'm involved with this group. The main reason I'm involved with this group is because the control of energy is the control of human beings, folks. The control of energy is the control of people. The events for this three-day conference, July 9th, 8 p.m. to 2 a.m., Tesla Birthday Bash at Independence Visitor Center, 6th and Market Streets. That's free to attend. July 10th, 10 a.m. to 8 p.m., Tesla Fest at the same location, Independence Visitor Center, 6th and Market Streets, featuring exhibits, vendors, information, art, and music. It is also free to attend. Presentations and lectures at the Free Library of Philadelphia, 1901 Vine Street. So, um, that's uh, July 10th, 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. I myself will be emceeing this event and introducing the featured speakers. And they are Russell Anderson, Kelly, Tatiana Militic, Michael Treat, Mono Davina, Michael Craner, and Brian Yetzer. This event is also free to attend. So. Three out of the five events that this uh, conference comprises are free. Uh, there's two more um, events scheduled. One is a reception, dinner, and concert on July 10th, Saturday night, July 10th, 6 p.m. to 11 p.m. at the Arch Street Meeting House, 320 Arch Street, featuring the Divine Hand Ensemble, a classical music ensemble uh, centered around the electronic instrument known as the theremin. Check out their website at divinehand.net. Uh, the pricing for both the dinner and concert together, only $20 to attend. Tickets are, are already on sale. And um, for just the dinner or just the concert by itself, $12. I mean, I don't know how you could possibly beat that for an evening out. $20 for both, $12 or either a dinner or concert, just absolutely incredible, and all those proceeds will be going to a great cause, namely developing a new energy paradigm that is 
freely shared and it is green, it is clean, and it is free. So come on out to the reception, dinner, and concert at the Arch Street Meeting House. Uh, finally, the, the crux of the conference is the scientific portion, which is scheduled for July 10th and 11th, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. at 2 Liberty Place, 32nd floor, 1601 Chestnut Street. This will feature at least 10 scientifically oriented presentations geared toward inventors and scientists. So there is a registration fee for that for uh, both days, $110. You can register at the Tesla Science Foundation website and you can get more information on the entire conference at www.teslasciencefoundation.org. Um, with that, those announcements having been said, I'm going to get right back into the topic that I was talking about in the previous hour and going deeper into institutionalized belief systems. This is the fourth barrier to the realization of the true self. Barriers towards self-realization is what this section is all about, and uh, we are focused on institutionalized belief systems. And uh, at, the top, at the bottom of the last hour, what I was saying is that money is the biggest institutionalized belief system on planet Earth right now. And what I was also saying is I was making a very generalized and blanket statement, admittedly a blanket, state, a blanket statement, that everyone that subscribes to an institutionalized belief system in some form or another or to some degree or another is under mind control. That's what keeps people believing that institutionalized belief systems, one, are true, and two, always must exist. That, that, that the world would just descend into utter, complete chaos and uh, deterioration were these institutionalized systems uh, taken out of existence, or they just completely dissolved. And that is the very definition of mind control. The very definition of mind control is the inability to use the imagination to envision anything different. That's the ultimate definition of mind control. Mind control is the extermination of the imagination, as simply as it can be put. As simply as it can be stated, that's what mind control is. And I'm making this point for a reason, because in future shows, this is what we're going to shift the topic of discussion to. And things are going to be getting darker on what on earth is happening. Uh, for some people who have listened up to this point, you may have thought this was going to be a new age <laughs> broadcast. Well, nothing can be farther from the truth. Okay? We are going to look at the dark as many in the New Age movement will not, okay? Because they'll say, oh, yes, that empowers it. No, ignoring things is what empowers them. Ignoring things and letting things just happen on the default settings is what's giving the negative more power. Learning about how methodologies work, arming yourself against negative methodologies, and then being able to do something that is extremely empowering and positive is not negative. 
that no, nothing could be farther from the truth. So we are going to look at the dark. We are going to confront the shadow on this show. The shadow is there for a reason, and we should not be ignoring it. We should stare it in the eyes. We should look it down, and we should confront it, and we should integrate it, and we should heal it. That's what a lot of people in the New Age movement aren't telling people, because they've subscribed to an institutionalized belief system. And that's mind control. Let me ask you a question. Why is it? Why is it? Now, really think about this for a moment, those who are listening tonight or on the podcast. Why is it that we have the same language, the same words in the English language are used, now get this, for being committed to an institution, meaning I believe in and subscribe to what this institution is doing, okay? I believe in the educational system. I believe in the military. I believe in the police. I believe in this religion. I wholeheartedly support these institutions. I'm committed to an institution. Why do we have the exact same language for being committed to an institution as I just described, as we do for being committed to an institution, meaning being taken away from normal society to be placed in a hospital that deals with treating mental problems and issues. That's an accident that we happen to have the same language for those two things. I don't think that's an accident. You want to know why it's not an accident? Because they mean the same thing. If you're committed to an institution, you might as well be committed to an institution. And that's about as close to humor as I'm going to get on tonight's show, folks. <laughs> so enjoy that, but I think there is something to that. That's not an accident that it works out that way in language. And we'll be talking about and already have talked briefly about how critical the understanding of words as they have come to be structured in the English language really are. We need to understand how words are structured and what they are saying to us at all times, at all pla- in all places. There is magic in the language. Some people have referred to this as uh, synchronicity or synchromysticism, understanding that words that are, are trying to tell us something. You know, th- there is a consciousness and intelligence that is coming through in the language itself. If only we connect to it through getting in touch with our right imaginative, creative capacity of the right brain, our right mind. And there are many more examples of how language works out like that, but that's just one of them. 
because it's all about mind control. They have to convince you that their institution must exist or there would be utter chaos and ruin, that there would be just ruin if that institution went away for some reason. Not continue to take the actions that it tells you it must take. It's all mind control. So let's look at some other institutions. Okay? And make no mistake about it, I realize what this is. This is attacking everything that just about everybody in the world holds sacred in some form or another. I get that. I'm not naive enough not to understand what I'm doing here or how hard it would be to transcend this mental condition that most people are identified with. Because what it really is, is it's, it's, it's ultimately attacking what someone else sees, perceives, and believes as their identity. Which is why this relates hand-in-hand hand with ego identification. Another barrier to self-realization. As long as people identify with the role that they play in an institutionalized belief system, they're going to be identified with the institution itself. You see how that works? Because if the institution is ultimately not doing something that is really necessary, that is ultimately so good that it must exist, and I'm part of it, what does that mean for me? that I am part of that institution. See, then you have to really reevaluate what you're doing with your time and with, with your life. Let's look at another institution which I briefly started talking about last week, secret societies and occult orders. These are institutionalized belief systems. Some of them will teach philosophy, some of them will teach ideologies. However, they are still institutionalized systems, no matter what they teach. And one of the beliefs they propagate is that this knowledge belongs to us, and it is ours to give out to whoever we wish, whoever we see fit to give it out. And we will determine that. We will be the arbiters of information conveyance. Information doesn't belong to the totality of the beings on this world. It belongs, this information belongs to us. See? And this is why I'm, no, I'm not a member of any institutionalized belief system, including secret societies or occult orders any longer. Earlier in my life, I was a member of occult orders and very dark and unpleasant ones, and I'm not proud of saying that, but that's where a lot of my awareness developed out of after I descended to such a place in consciousness that there were two choices, come out of this level of consciousness or die. And I'm still here talking, so you know the decision I made when it came to making that that shift in awareness. 
I decided to come up to a higher level of consciousness and live and then help to explain how that dynamic any other people as would listen. And let me clarify my position on that just for a moment. I do this not for myself. I do not serve myself. This isn't about me at all. I don't, even, I don't even care whether people know my name, understand who I am. I, I could care less. You go and look at my website, there's nothing for sale up there. I, I'm not in this to make any money. And I'm certainly not in this to serve my own life's interest because there's lots of other things I can be doing with my time, but I choose to do this. And it's not ultimately... Some people say, well, you're choosing it because you want to serve humanity. Ultimately, it's a very small part of it, but it's not really the totality of why I choose to do this. Because the bulk of humanity could care less about this and isn't listening. I mean, let's let's be realistic. I'm under no delusions of how big what I do is or who's listening. So I don't really do it to serve humanity either. You know, if they benefit from it, I would love to see that. I really uh, hope people are getting something out of what I do, but some will, and the vast majority probably will not, based on the level of consciousness they're currently at. I don't, I don't see them. I don't see most people paying much attention to, the, to this. I see most people wanting to watch sports, wanting to drink some beers, wanting to you know, pursue frivolous pursuits and live for the pleasure principle, and that's about it. And that's why the world has had it in the prison state that it's had. But um, going back to the idea of why I do this at all, it's simply to serve the truth. That's it. The truth will not be killed as long as people are doing this. And that's the force I serve, which is the force of love. That's it. You can say anything you want about my approach, my style, my uh, blanket statements, um, you know, uh, the, the approach that doesn't baby feed people. Because if, if you're a person that hasn't emotionally matured and isn't ready to hear this, go, go listen to something else or go watch some junk on television. I'm not the person that's going to water this down for anyone. Don't expect that from me. That's not my style. And I'm not interested in watering it down. That other people can take it, take this information and try to dilute it, and then get other people to drink it. I don't. I'm not interested in that at all. So that's never going to be my approach. I'm a straightforward, straight shooter. That's how this information got into me. Until I was broken down enough to say I was wrong. 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 A million times. And again, I've said it before on the show. I'll say it a million more. But uh, the, the ultimate reason I do this is not to serve myself, not even to serve humanity. It is only to serve the truth. That's it. That's, that's all I look at myself as, someone who is conveying a message. The message isn't even mine. This isn't my message. I didn't invent any of this. I'm a discoverer, a rediscoverer of this through research, 
I researched this and I found it. Re found it. Discovered it. Uncovered it. That's it. That makes me no one special. I'm not your guru. I'm not your spiritual uh, advisor, teacher, healer. You're that. That's what you are to yourself. All I can be is a facilitator of information because I've realized information does not belong to me. This information isn't mine. I'm not, I don't have the authority or right to keep it. I am here to speak it. That's it. For no other reason. That's why I do what I do. So, with that having been said, we talked about institutionalized belief systems, and we're, got, we're listing some of them, and secret society networks are one of them. That's why I got into the, the discussion of, you know, why I do this and who owns knowledge. You know, no one owns knowledge. Knowledge belongs to the world, period. Institutionalized belief systems, one of them is secret society networks that actually believe they are the keepers of hidden knowledge. They are the keepers of occult wisdom. Sure you are. And guess what? You think you're wise because, oh, this is dangerous information, but if given some of the stuff that's really, really deep in this is dangerous information about, you know, what our true powers as human beings are, and if that falls into the wrong hands, then there'll be chaos and destruction. Guess what? That's not for you to decide, high-level secret society overlords out there, okay, that think you know something that the rest of humanity doesn't. And in some ways you do, and in some ways you're in deeper ignorance than the most ignorant of people that you call the uninitiator, that you call the swine are. Okay? And that knowledge isn't yours to filter and to segregate from the rest of humanity. It belongs to the universe. And you're not God last time I checked. Therefore, you're not the arbiter of what information other people get to see and hear. You can think you are all you want. That'll never make it true. And I don't care who out there is listening that is a member of a secret society. To some form or another, you're under mind control. You can, you can take in the beliefs. I mean, you can take in the philosophies. You can study this. But once you start getting into the notion that this is segregated from other people, and that there's a right to do that. Now, that enters institutionalized belief systems. And on this show in the future, we're going to talk a lot about occult philosophies. We will, we will delve into Freemasonry. We will delve into Rosicrucianism. We will delve into Kabbalah. We will delve into uh, um, Gnostic teachings, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Okay? We will go into some hidden teachings and occult teachings of different occult orders. But that does not mean that I subscribe to the notion that secret societies that have been set up to convey and teach this information have the right to keep certain levels of knowledge secret because they deem it dangerous or they deem other people unfit for it. And some of those people would say, oh, you're the unwise one because you would just uh, display pearls before swine. Again, it's not your decision to make. The knowledge doesn't belong to you no matter how high level it is, no matter how advanced it is from someone else's understanding. It's not yours. 
that's that that's where you're in ego identification and attachment because you actually believe that your role is to be allowed to keep information from other people and you're wrapped up and tied up in that, attached to that belief and it's not true nothing you ever say or do is ever going to make it true and that's why you accept your role in your institutionalized belief system of secret society member such and such degree well it's all mind control okay the first one we talked about is money it's all mind control never has been any such thing as money doesn't exist now never going to exist all the people out there that think gold's money uh, mind control silver is money you're under mind control no that's called a metal it doesn't really have any value except what you ascribe to it now hey you can you can boil metals down and make cups out of them you can make in you know uh, uh, utensils out of them yeah then they have a utilitarian value but in and of themselves okay an aesthetic value you can say yeah well, I like looking at that it, it has an aesthetic pleasing value and you could use it in art okay but money as an actual system of belief that's the only place that it exists is the human mind and we, I, I, I don't know if I've mentioned this on the show but again we can get into words the word money just like we talked about being committed to an institution is the same as being committed to an institution I mean, getting wrapped up and identified with an institutionalized belief system is the same as essentially being crazy and being put away okay you, you have to really be at the same level of consciousness pretty much for both things and that's why the same word says the same thing the same series the same phrase says the same thing money is another example it if you break down the word money it's m-o-n which is the root for one mono one a, a, a monocycle you know um, monopoly one it means one and the last part of money is EY phonetically that's I one I money is a proxy it's an illusion it's it's being presented to people as the one I which it's not they even stamp it on the American you know the US dollar bill they put the what the seal of the one I on the bill that is the one dollar bill but it isn't the one I it's a proxy for the one I they're giving you that in in lieu of the one I because they know the one eye is not there is not present in the person they're handing it to they don't have their one eye open which comes from a balanced brain the awakening of the all-seeing eye in the center of the brain the pineal gland which connects one to a higher level of awareness of self and connectedness with the totality of the all they know most people aren't there 
So the occultists that invented money and occultists invented money. Let's be under no delusions about that. Okay? The whole monetary system is invented and set up by occultists. People who are using their hidden knowledge and their levels of awareness to manipulate other people into breaking natural laws so that they can get what they want and not be affected by those very laws, or at least for a time. Let's never forget that either. For a time, they will be affected by those natural law principles, but they think they can run on forever and it will never catch up with them. And they're wrong, because eventually it does, and it always does. Not sometimes, all the time. There's another blanket statement for you. Okay? So, money means the one eye. That's what the word actually means, and it's been there your whole life. And most people have never seen that, no matter how old they are. But there it is, right in the word. And it's a proxy for the one eye. And a, a, proxy, a proxy means something that is given to you in place of the real thing. And someone says, here, take this and imagine that it's the real thing. You know, just use it as the real money, the real one eye. They, they think that they're they think they can convince you, and they have convinced many people, that that's going to bring them balance and love and happiness because that's what the one eye actually represents, the ability to see with the spiritual sight that brings to one happiness, the end of self-inflicted suffering, true balance, true harmony, living in harmony with nature, living in the dynamic energy of love, etc., etc., etc. And one will never bring you any of those things. Yet they're trying to convince you that that's what it can bring you. Hence, the word itself and the seal on the dollar bill, which we'll get into in future weeks. We'll break down all kinds of symbolism in future weeks. We'll break down symbolism in such detail that you'll get tired of breaking it down. <laughs> because that's another completely illiterate of completely in ignorance of how symbols work upon the subconscious as another form of mind control. And again, this is a good topic to jump off to because probably in the next two weeks or so, we'll be getting into mind control techniques, maybe two or three weeks. And um, institutionalized belief systems have a lot to do with mind control. Uh, let's look at another one. How about the educational system? We talked about that when we talked about the prison of the left brain. Well, many people don't want to believe that the institution that they believe that they have believed in their whole life, uh, the educational system, maybe that they're a teacher in, you know, or a principal, or you know, someone that runs a department in a college, or works in a, you know, a university someplace, they don't want to believe that that institution is ultimately creating harm in the world through putting people into a pure left-brained way of seeing the world and therefore never being able to 
holistically connect with deeper levels of the consciousness and the mind. So people who are believing that they're doing good through the educational system, very deeply attached to the role they play. This is pure ego attachment because I can't be involved at, at whatever level of harm this institution is doing by simply being a part of it. Oh, whatever would, would, would make you think it works like that, that because I'm a part of it, see, I want to do good. That's my intent. And I think I'll be able to do good through working in this institution, in this totally controlled system. I'll do good in my way through the system. Now, I know people will say that this is harsh. I know people will say Again, you're making blanket statements. Everybody who is thinking like this, they can not appreciate because of how attached they are that they will never actually be able to influence anything for the better at a higher level as long as they are working within any institutional belief system. And there can be no clearer example of this than politics. And here's where big portion of the freedom movement says, Mark, I like some of the things you're talking about up to now, but here's where I got to part ways with you. And what I'll say is, they're the tent pitchers. You know, the, the big, long journey up the mountain to the, to the land of higher consciousness. You can look at it like that, okay? And some people, make the, some people don't even want to start the journey. They look at the mountain and they go, are you crazy? I'm going to climb that? Good luck. You can climb it. I'll be right down here on the ground. And they never begin they're the totally uninitiated. They never start. Uninitiated means you haven't started. And then there are people who do start the journey with you, and you're going and going and going, and then they say, oh, well, this is as far as I go. Uh, yeah, but yeah, the peak is up there. It's way, way, way beyond where we're at now. We're like the third up, man. And, and they're like, well, I'm setting up camp right here, and I ain't moving another inch. Because where you're going up toward that peak, that's scary territory. I don't know if I'm comfortable with climbing any higher than this. And those are the people in the freedom movement that still actually believe that they're going to vote the world out of the difficulties that it's in. They're going to change the world by voting the right people. You're going to vote out the bad people, and you're going to vote in the right people. Right? Sure you are. Good luck with that. Let me know how that works out for you. 
because once again, it fails to recognize a basic principle. Once you allow yourself to be represented by anyone else but yourself, you aren't represented by anyone. You present yourself or you're owned. Bottom line. You're owned, you're controlled, and most importantly, you've given up responsibility. You've given up power. You've given up your internal power to make the decisions upon which your behaviors are based on how you're going to live your life in harmony with natural law principles, period. Once you give up that responsibility and you hand it over to anyone else, no matter how good their intentions are, you are owned. And there is no way anything but disorder can come about as a result of that because you are giving away something that nature has granted to you as a gift. And by, by, hand, by throwing it away, all you're going to create is chaos for yourself and ultimately all those around you. And that's why all representative governments, not some, all of them eventually descend and devolve into barbarity and tyranny, and ours is no exception in the United States. Sorry to break the news to you. Get over it. We don't have a lot of time to be crying in our beer over this, okay? And again, I'm not going to explain this in any different way. I'm not going to baby feed it to you. When things get worse, and they will, go back and listen to my podcasts. That, there's, my, there's my advice to the people who don't want, want to understand this, because the world is going to become completely more chaotic than it is now. Get ready for it. Get ready for it. Until people snap out of this trance mind state of believing in all these institutions, the world is going to descend and descend and descend and descend. So prepare yourself emotionally, prepare yourself mentally, prepare yourself psychologically, and prepare yourself spiritually. Because until people start actually admitting that someone is wrong, that they are wrong, and that they're not going to solve the problem by continuing to do the same thing, the same dynamic. I'm going to add the same dynamic, and magically, it's going to change. Magically. Good luck. That's all I can say. I can't, I can't make anybody change the way they think. I can only tell you how this principle works. That's it. And I'm not telling you this is my opinion. Again, I'm telling you I've recognized a core fundamental truth about how law, higher law, capital L, works and what you're going to get when you go against it. So, so again, I'm not telling anybody they must do anything. You can continue to go and believe in these systems, do what you've always done. But all I'm saying is do not expect a different result. You're crazy if you do. You're, all, you're doing the same thing. You're not actually changing the way you think. And you think magically, suddenly, the world's going to change for the better, and you're not going to suffer anymore. Well, I'm proud of you if you think that. Wonderful. Continue to live like that and see what happens. See what you get. I think there's no better way to understand natural law than continuing to do the same thing and getting the same result. 
because eventually something will snap in your brain unless you die first, which I think most people are so in ego that's what they're willing to do. They're willing to follow this course until they die. So I think eventually something will snap in people and they'll say, hey, you know what? Maybe it's me. Maybe I can't continue to live the way I'm living and think the way I'm thinking and expect to get a different result in my life. And that's what had to happen to me. And it took so much suffering for me that, again, I was one step out of the grave. Had I gone any further along that belief system, I would have been dead. And finally, something snapped and said, you know what? You can't do this. You can't. It's you. It's actually you in the way you're thinking. And when I changed it, my life miraculously completely turned in 180 degrees in the opposite direction and became semi-miraculous in the synchronicity and in the things that opened up unto me and how I was able to change myself, not just my thoughts, the way I feel every day, my health, every aspect of my life, everyone. So believing in institutions is a, is a strong force, and some of the biggest, we'll, we'll, I'll wrap up the show talking about a few of the biggest, government, religion, and then the control institutions of the police and the military. These are the most powerful institutions on the surface of, of the earth. These are the most powerful institutions on this planet because they have the deepest hold of the human mind. These are the deepest mind-controlling institutions that we have in humanity. And they are the ones who are ultimately responsible for destroying the consciousness of this planet. And I don't really care who's listening that's a member of these institutions. I don't care who's listening. I don't care who's offended. I don't care who finds this hard to accept or believe. These are the institutions that are going to be responsible for the destruction of the human species if we don't pull up from this course and reverse the direction that we're heading in. Government, religion, military, and police. That's it. And every member, no matter how well-intentioned, every member, I'm going to say this a thousand times, and you can take it however you want to take it. But notice, I'm not saying anything about whether these people are actually good-hearted people or bad-hearted people. I'm only making the statement that every one of them are fooled. Every one of them does not understand how natural law works. Every one of them in some degree or another, is under mind control. Bar none. If you are in government and believe that there needs to be government to control people's actions, and that the only way to create order is through control, and as an end to that, you must have government, you're under mind control, period. I don't care who you are, you're under mind control to a certain degree. Those who believe there should be less government are under a little less mind control, but they're under mind control nonetheless. The same thing with police. All of them, not some of them, all of them are under mind control to some degree. Everybody that believes in religion as an institutionalized belief system, I'm talking about organized religion, not the deep core philosophies at the very core, the principles, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the actual organized religious institutions. 
everybody that is a follower of one of them and does not understand that they're a sovereign being and there is no intermediary required between them and the divine in some form or another, to some extent or another, is under mind control. And I will not back down from those positions. I'm not going to water it down. I'm not really interested in hearing a debate or, or debating as to whether that's true or not. I'm making the statement because I've recognized that is the case. That is the case. I understand what all of these institutions are, not what I think they are, not my opinions about them. I've studied their practices, methodologies, and the way they operate in the world to the extent that few people have. And I know that anybody believing in these and accepting them and thinking that they must be eternal institutions is in some form or another under the dynamic of mind control. All right. Uh, this is the first time I'm going to attempt to take a call. I'm sorry. I see uh, that this person probably been in here for a while, but um, uh, let's go to a caller. It says on my um, switchboard here, Southwest Pennsylvania. So uh, Southwest Pennsylvania, are you on the line? Hey, what's up, Mark? Hey. Um, is it? This is Eric. This is Eric. Oh, Eric, how you doing, man? Eric here in Doylestown, Pennsylvania. What's up, man? So you have a good show tonight. Uh, very interesting things about ego attachment. Unbelievable. I agree, you know. You, you definitely become... Uh, now, that you said it, you had like a, a quote from somebody a few, I think two weeks ago, or maybe it was last week about... Okay. Uh, the truth hurts, and then you said basically it only hurts if there's attachment to it. Yeah, uh, myself and Walter Rhodes, my, my guest a couple weeks ago, we were talking about that. Uh, we were talking about the difference between uh, just ego being a tool uh, to, to understand that in the physical domain, you know, you have an individuated expression of consciousness versus being attached to the ego and allowing it to uh, uh, not operate in its role as a tool, but to actually become the master. In other words, ego, I don't think, should be completely purged. It is a tool for consciousness to understand that, hey, this is my body and not your body. You know, we have different physical expressions, okay? And, uh, you know, ego lets me put food into my mouth as opposed to trying to put, feed myself by putting food into someone else's mouth. It's that simple. But when the tool becomes the master, when the tool says, hey, I enable you to have a physical existence here. I want to set up shop and take over this house. That's when it becomes a problem. That's when it's attachment. But we can't separate from the ego. We can't lay it down when we're finished using it. We're constantly in it. It's constantly ruling us, essentially. And that's what myself and my guests, Walt, were discussing a couple weeks back. Yeah. Okay. And now uh, I actually have a pretty simple question for you. Um, okay. What happens when we die? Oh, your guess, your guess is as good as mine. I'm still alive. You know, um, there, every every uh, religion and every uh, basic uh, um, esoteric philosophy has different notions on that. You know, some people say you go into a void where 
all your experiences are integrated and learned from, and then you have a decision as to whether to come back and, you know, what, what kind of uh, experience you have. I don't know whether any of that is true. Again, because I don't, I don't really get into that or talk about that in my presentation or on my show because I'm not in that state. I'm still alive in the physical form right now. And you ever hear the expression, be here now? That's what I attempt to do. I attempt to explain work in the domain that you're in now as opposed to spending energy on worrying about that. However, I think that to some extent or another, what the experience, the quality of the experience that we do experience in whatever that, that afterlife or in-between life or however you want to look at it state is, I think the quality of that is dictated by how we behave here. That I do believe. Can I tell you that that's the case? No. And so therefore, I can only tell you that that is my belief. And that's where I'll delineate. When, I, when I'm talking about something I know, I'll state it unequivocally. I understand that this is a law and it works this way. But if I do not know that, then I will say unequivocally, this is my belief about how this may or may not work. I believe Whatever experience is lying uh, is waiting for us when we pass away from this from this level of consciousness. I believe the quality of that and the amount of choice that we will have in that will be directly related to how we behave while we were in this domain, while we were in this expression of consciousness. Do Do you ever feel that? Like, do you feel like your whole life has like a purpose and 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 we will go on to something bigger. I mean, just the fact that I'm alive, I'm like a good-looking guy, you know, I have a life. Like, it's just like, it just seems like there's, there's more to it than just us being like, you know, evolved monkeys, you know, flopping around, ruling the world. Well, I certainly believe there's a higher purpose for existence. I don't, I, I don't think that the universe is some dead machine that just is here for no reason and happened by cosmic accident, you know, as left brain, very left brain imbalanced people do. You know, I think there's absolutely purpose for being. And I think the purpose is to grow, to expand in consciousness, to create, you know, that's why we call it a creator. It created this construct for experience, for expression, and it, it created it to be a reflection of itself, which is a creator. We ultimately have to get to a point where we're a conscious creator. We understand what will create our experience, and then we choose the, that which is better, that which we choose one thing out of many possibilities because we learn discernment, and we learn here's a better choice if we want to create this. Here's a better choice if we want to create this, you know? And I think that's what this is all, this stage of our evolution is all about that, is about learning discernment, is about learning this is what you need to enact or behave like this to get what you say you want. And until you combine your will with that understanding to actually do it, you're never going to get what you say you want. So I, I think that's part of why we're here, to learn that very principle. And um, 
I wish I could tell you, Eric, I really wish I could be a super hopeful person and say, I think we're really understanding that. I do not think that we are understanding that as a species. I think some very few do understand that. But the majority of people here choose to turn their backs on those principles and ignore them. And that's why I don't see good things coming for planet Earth, sadly. I'd like to be able to tell you different, man, but I, I do not have an optimistic uh, view of the future based on where we're at now. Now, that may be slowly changing, but I don't feel it's changing in large enough numbers. Well, I know this. I know that they have us, like, uh, on drugs and this mass mind control and, you know, every, everything, they throw everything in, in, in the kitchen sink at us to basically keep us in a lower state of consciousness so we don't, we don't question our reality. You know, we don't question is that really the truth. You know, we, we don't have the imagination and curiosity to say, wait, is it more to life? Should I be doing better? You know, I like the Gandhi quote you have, be the change you want the world to be. If you want the world to be a better place, then be a better person. That's that right. Simple. Yeah, I think he understands it very well. You know, uh, we get wrapped up in the whole idea that uh, we need to do something first so that we can have what we want and then we'll be happy. And it's really the reverse. You know, you have to be different, be a certain expression in the world, in consciousness, then conditions will be created so that you can have the things that are necessary for you to be able to do what you want. It isn't do, have, be. It's be, do, have. That's how, that's how the dynamic really works. See, that even is only halfway, because then you have to go back and even reverse it and say, well, now that I have what I was looking for, what do I do with that. And that's really putting it into practice in the world and learning how to really uh, act in wisdom, in proper, moral, upright ways that affect and influence other people in the world. And that's ultimately what I think the purpose of being here is, to learn how to develop the world to do just that. Word. Well, I see the uh, show's coming in land. I've got to talk to you, and so I'll call you around 1030, all right? Yeah, man, definitely. Always a pleasure to hear from you, Eric. Thanks for calling in, man. Hey, no problem. And uh, I, got you a, uh, I got you a bullhorn, Mark. <laughs> for uh, the I'll first be, Friday thing, huh? I'll be seeing you this first Friday, hopefully, and uh, I'll give it to you then. But it looks pretty cool. But, um, um, we're going to play a we're going to play a word association game in Doylestown. That's what I have planned. Well, word these are the people. These are the people that are really under hardcore mind control out here. They're nice people. They're educated. They're you know, they make good money, but they just they're just in that uh, institutionalized ego attachment state. Unfortunately, man. But uh, you know. There, there's, there's things that we can do to slowly help bring them out of that, man. And uh, we'll work on it. We're not going to give up. We're not going to stop, you know? Well, I think it's easier to talk to people about stuff like this now than it was two years ago just because the, the, the people who run the world, the governments, really have overreached. You know, with the oil spill and all the other BS that's going on, yep. people are a little more... 
I agree. Eric, thanks again for calling, man. I'm going to wrap up the show. I'll talk to you, man. I see everybody. Bye-bye. Take care. All right. That brings us to the end of this show. Um, I think I'll, at the beginning of next show, briefly go a little bit more into institutionalized belief systems, and uh, we'll get into some other topics. So for now, I am Mark Passio. You've been listening to What on Earth is Happening. I will see you here next Tuesday at 8 p.m. Good night, everyone.